Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and I have some exciting news to share with you. If you listen to Why It Works, you probably know I love audiobooks. I listen to about one a week, which equals over 50 new books a year. After much cajoling and inspiration by my good friend, Luis Rosado, I just released my own audiobook, Unlock Your Charisma. I'll share the link in the show notes and on my website at www.connectioncounselor.com slash whyitworks. Have a listen so you can be seen, be valued, and be chosen. If you enjoy this show, I have a favor to ask right after the interview. Please take just a few moments to listen to my request. I promise it's easy peasy. Thanks. Here with us today is Allison Jackson, my KPMG colleague, kindred side hustler, and the founder of Allison Jackson Fitness. Allison is passionate about all things health and fitness and really loves sharing her knowledge to help corporate moms get lean, eating foods they love so they can be at their best. Allison has spent the last eight years training and competing in figure competitions, even winning three pro cards in one year, so she knows what it takes to get to your ideal weight and stay there. We speak to Allison from her home in New Jersey. Welcome, Allison, to the Why It Works podcast, and thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we just sort of connected at work at KPMG, and I'm not even sure if it was a a meeting or a a person that we had in common who connected us. Um, And then we just started talking about our passion for teaching and educating others. And one thing that I'm really thankful to you for is uh, when we were having lunch and talking about it. Um, We talked about how we both wanted to do more public speaking this year. And I said, you know, I want to do more. And then you said something which I thought was brilliant. You said, I want to do 20 speaking gigs this year, 20 in 2020. And I was like, oh, my God, that is such good psychology. It's such good branding. It's such good motivation. And I totally stole that from you, as you know. (laughs) Um, Gladly take it. I love I love that you've done with it, though. You've really helped me stick to it. Oh, thank you. We, we support each other. I think that's the best way. Um, and, you know, for those who, who don't know, um, you know, Allison talks a lot about confidence and, and, and fitness and how that's important um, in your working life. Um, so even if you're going to a cubicle or going to an office, that doesn't mean um, fitness is not important to you. So tell me, what does confidence and fitness mean sort of for you personally in your life and, and how has that sort of impacted you? Yeah. So, um, you know, thanks again for having me. I, I've been in corporate communications uh, for about 20 years and I've always been into fitness. So I played field hockey in high school, and college, I've run marathons, triathlons, I've gotten into bodybuilding, uh, which kind of has ended up, you know, fueling this passion side business. Um, but through it all, I've, I've, I struggled with body image, um, especially when I was younger. I was that kid that swam the pool with a t-shirt on. I didn't want anybody to look at me. Um, and as I've grown and evolved and matured and my, the, the journey, my fitness journey has changed, 
I've really seen the impact that health and fitness has on your confidence. Because the better you feel about yourself um, through nutrition, through working out, through mindset, the better you're going to do in your job, for your family, for your business, no matter, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. So it's really about how you feel about yourself making a huge difference. It's not so much about how you look or how other people look at you. It's like internal to, to, to how you feel about yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, I know people struggle, people struggle with their weight. It's a huge part of your, your body image, your self image. Um, and I feel like that, that weighs, not, no pun intended, but that weighs on people. And a lot of the people that I help, um, help to lose weight. They, you know, they don't want to be the heaviest one in the room. They want to be able to present confidently, to, you know, um, during meetings or, you know, when they attend conferences. Um, so it does, it really does impact your confidence level um, in work and business and life in general. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us what you do, but explain it as if you were talking to a five-year-old. Sure. So um, I'll touch a little bit about upon corporate communications, and then I'll talk a little bit about the fitness aspect. Um, in the simplest terms, I help leaders talk to their their staff members, their people. Um, it could be important announcements like what's going on now with the pandemic. Um, it could be you know things like celebrating wins, celebrating successes, um, and that's through you know email, newsletters, PowerPoint presentations. Um, it is communication. It's, a, it's an art and a science, right? Um, and then on the flip side, fitness is, is very similar. Um, I would say what gets measured gets managed. So when it comes to your health and fitness, whether you're weighing yourself, weighing your food, you're training for a marathon, um, it's, it's the numbers you want to track and, and, and know that you're reaching those goals. And the only way to do that is to have metrics. Whether you're trying to lose weight, you're training for a marathon, um, you're, you're lifting weights, you're tracking how much weight you're lifting. Um, you really need to, to track and monitor what's happening. And so, I, you know, my, my quote unquote title is an online fitness and nutrition coach, but uh, essentially I'm an accountability coach. I am going to help you figure out what your goals are, and then I'm going to help you reach them and, and come up with a game plan. Uh, and that's the beauty of coaches, whether it's a career coach, a business coach, a fitness coach, um, they help fast track your progress and hold you accountable. Yeah, I, that totally resonates with me. I remember when I was in school, there was a guy that I knew who, you know, you mentioned the bodybuilding. He was an aspiring bodybuilder. This was in college and I was nowhere near <laughs> bodybuilding. And I made the mistake once of going to the gym with this guy and he already kind of looked like he could be a bodybuilder, you know? And so we're in the gym and we're doing, you know, typical stuff, you know, bench presses, you know, arm curls, whatever. And every time I would think I would be done, he would be like, Joe, give me five more. And so I'd give him five more and he goes, you can do it. I need five more. And I swear he must've made me do like 40 or 50 more. And I, I thought I was done. And the next day I was so tired. I couldn't even like wash my hair. Like I had to bring my head down to my hands <laughs> to like wash my hair at the time I had hair. Um, but it just goes to show me like with someone like that coaching me, like, let's say like I, I continued to go to the gym with him and I, I didn't. Um, but I could see myself making amazing progress with that sort of coaching versus if I just go by myself, maybe I get five extra. No way I go yeah. as far as, as I did with him. And, and he taught me all the tricks and how to do it. So your movement's effective. Like all these things are so important and helpful. Yes, totally, totally. And I have, you know, I do bodybuilding competitions, as you know, and I have a competition coach because mm -hmm. I need someone to hold me accountable. Coaches yeah. need coaches. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I am so happy you're here today to talk about the topic of workplace confidence, and let me tell you why. Um, you know, one thing I discovered uh, a few years back was the concept of imposter syndrome, and I even wrote a, a short blog post about it. And I feel like a lot of people suffer through it. Um, the interesting thing is um, it was originally identified in, um, I think it was graduate women at a certain school, like two psychologists um, coined the term, but it also applies to men as well. Um, and it tends to apply to people who are more highly educated and the people who you think there's no way they would have imposter syndrome because they're very accomplished, they've always been successful in their life. But if you're inside their head, it doesn't matter. And, you know, it can really be debilitating and crippling. And it's kind of one of those things where you're like a functioning imposter, right? Like, like you still deliver, but you just feel terrified all the time and no one else can really tell because you're good at you know, kind of faking it. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's no way to live. And one of the things I learned as I was, you know, writing about it and thinking more about it is confidence is actually a skill that is comparable to the technical skills and all the other skills you need to perform. It's not just some extra thing that you, is nice to have or that people are born with. It's actually a skill that's important to help you succeed at whatever you're doing. And I was curious because, you know, this is something that you, you, you think about um, maybe more than the average person. How have you seen confidence impacting people's careers and, and their results over the years? Yeah, I totally agree with you about the imposter syndrome, which, um, you know, impacts confidence. If you think that you aren't good enough, um, then you're, you know, it, it wears away at your confidence. So when it comes to confidence in the workplace, yeah, and I see it a lot more in women. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, guilt issues. I'm not enough, you know, the whole self-worth thing. Uh, but I do see it in men as well. And I really feel like, you know, to your point about it being a skill, it's almost like a muscle and you need to constantly be working at it and conscious of it. Um, everyone's like, oh, you're so confident. And it's like, yeah, well, that it, was, it wasn't like that at 12 years old, 16, 20. I mean, I literally feel like, you know, as you mature and as you learn more and as you um, get be able to get a, a better mindset and positive uh, attitude, I feel like that is what comes across when in confidence. And one of the ways I've been realizing a lot more, because people are like, you know, where do you get the confidence and the motivation and all that stuff? And I really think having gratitude and being grateful and having that as a practice, um, mm -hmm. you realize how, how, you know, how good you really do have it and how good you are. Yeah, I, I think that's totally right. Um, and it's, it's funny because you can live your whole life and not realize the impact that it's, that it's having on you until someone else points it out, whether it's a family member, friend, boss, whoever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think a, a lot of times it goes to, you know, everyone's raised differently and everyone was told different stories growing up. And it's really getting away from that. I mean, you're a totally different person than you were 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and so it's, it, that's one of the things that I've even been learning, like, stop telling yourself those stories, you're the only one listening to them and making them up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take a look at our first video of someone who uh, maybe should not have as much confidence as he does. <laughs> <laughs> Well, George, we here at Sandlack like to think of ourselves as a fairly progressive company. 
We have a small but prestigious group of clients. Well, a lot of people consider me uh, small and prestigious. <laughs> That's funny, George. You're very quick. Ah, oh, well. I feel like I don't... I don't have to explain every little thing to you. You understand everything immediately. I enjoy understanding. I want you to have this job. Of course. Stu Zimmer's online, too. Great, thanks. I've got to take this call. Listen, I'm really glad that you came in. I want you to have this job. Of course. Yeah. That's it. What do you mean, what? that's it? He never finished the sentence. He got a call. That was the end of the interview. Of course was the last thing he said? Maybe he was going to say, of course, I have to check with my associates. I want you to have this job. Of course, the board of directors is under indictment and will be serving time. I want you to have this job. Of course, sodomy is a prerequisite. <laughs> All right. Why don't you just go ahead and call him? Because he made a big deal about how I understand everything immediately. That's what impressed him. So if you call to ask if you have the job, you might lose the job. And if I don't call... You might have the job, but you'll never know it. <laughs> what kind of company is it? Rest Stop Supply. Oh, good for you. So, uh, I still haven't heard about that job. Yeah, that's a tough one. What are you going to do about that? Well, I have an idea. Yeah? I show up. What do you mean, you show up? I show up. I pretend I have the job. The guy's on vacation. If I have the job, it's fine. If I don't have the job, by the time he comes back, I'm ensconced. Hmm, not bad. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, you'd be embarrassed and humiliated in front of a large group of people and have to walk out in shame with your tail between your legs. Yeah, so? Yeah, see what you mean? I forgot who I was dealing with. This. <laughs> I love Seinfeld. So what can we learn from, uh, from Mr. Costanza? It's funny because he's like got a false confidence. Um, you know, he goes in, he's very confident in the interview, he's very confident with Jerry, but then he doesn't have the confidence to call and just say, you know, what was the end of the sentence? So, um, which could get you in trouble, as he did in the rest of the episode, but um, I think it's having the confidence to be sure of yourself and say, I didn't understand, or I didn't get the rest of that information. Um, it's okay to not know or to need more. I, I've, I, I always had that issue with, oh gosh, I don't want to ask questions because that means I'm stupid. Um, it's not. It means you're curious. It means you need confirmation. It means you want more, you know? Yeah. Uh, the thing that strikes me, what you're talking about is, um, that specific fear of being perceived as not knowing something like, and I feel like that's something that everyone has experienced either in school or in work or just at home. It's like, you're, I don't know if it's an embarrassment. Like, like, how do you perceive that? Is it an embarrassment? Is it a self, like what's going on there, Allison? I think it's a confidence issue. And I got to tell you, like my, I want to say my second job, maybe mm -hmm. I got dinged for not asking enough questions in meetings and participating because I just want to sit on the sidelines and take it all in. And I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to be perceived as I felt like I, people were looking at me like, oh, my God, she's so dumb. Why? How, how would you not know the answer to that question? So it hurts your career. Um, and I really need to make I had to make a, a, a conscious effort to speak up. Yeah. One thing I find interesting is this concept of uh, that you mentioned of false confidence, right? Where 
you you can maybe act sort of confident and be perceived as confident, but you aren't really, or maybe even you don't even have the goods to deliver on that confidence because being competent and confidence are related, but they're not the same yes. thing. Yes, there's fake it till you make it, but yeah. you, you have the capabilities and can knock it out of the park. But then to your point, it could be very dangerous if you're, 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 you're talking the talk, but you can't walk the walk. Yeah. You know, when I was in law school, something really um, eye-opening happened to me. So there were um, two women that, uh, that were in my, I guess, class, you know, like our cohort, right? And then so one of them was so confident, like in class, you know, she would give to the professor as good as she got. She thought really fast on her feet. And, you know, you never win with a law school professor, but, but she was like, you know, just fearless. And I was like, wow, you know, I wish I could, I was more like, please don't call on me kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. typical thing you try to lay low. Right. Yes. But she was just in there battling every day. And then, um, you know, we got our grades back from first semester. Right. So when you get your grades back or, or the first year, um, mm -hmm. you know, some people get more confidence and some people get less, less confidence, right? Because what you do in class, you know, is some of it, but like your grade is what really matters, right? Yeah. So then after we got our grades, I barely heard a peep from her again. She was just totally quiet and subdued. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I get the feeling that when she got her grades, it totally ruined her confidence, right? Because maybe on the written parts, she didn't do as well. Now there was another. Um, uh, person in, in my class who in class didn't seem like they knew what was going on. They asked a lot of questions. Sometimes people would get frustrated because they felt like the question was slowing the class down and it wasn't really relevant to the legal aspects. She was our valedictorian. Wow. <laughs> See, it just goes to show you never it know. It just goes to show you. You just never know. You know, you think someone's like a that hot shot course. and yeah. then you think someone else, you underestimate them. You're like, oh, why would they ask that silly question? And they're embarrassing themselves. Valedictorian. Right. <laughs> See, you never know. Don't judge a book, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's take a look and see what we can learn uh, from confidence in a little bit more of a, a, an action setting. Yes. Hope I'm not interrupting. What does he want? It's not what I want, it's what I can give you. Look, let's be straight, okay? It's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses, am I right? You're very perceptive. I watch 60 Minutes, I say to myself, these guys are professional, they're motivated, they're happening, i.e., they want something, huh? Now, personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys, maybe it's the Hebes, Northern Ireland. It's none of my business. I figure you're here to negotiate, am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. I must have missed 60 minutes. What are you saying? The guy upstairs is f***ing things up, huh?
I can give them to you. So, Austin, what did you uh, see here with our uh, very confident deal maker? <laughs> so here we have overconfidence. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're so confident in your abilities, but sometimes they don't always apply to the situation. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see how, uh, how uh, was it Alan Rickman, the, the the bad guy, his character is like humoring him, you know, he's just yes. kind of like playing it's along. So funny. And, oh my gosh. So yeah. what do you perceive as sort of the problem with uh, with overconfidence? Like how do you categorize the effects of, of overconfidence and, and how it fits into the spectrum? So I think with overconfidence, you run the risk of um, you might, you know, burn yourself. Like people are going to look at you and be like, yeah, you know, you talk a good talk, but you can't really deliver. Um, so I think that can um, just wear away your credibility. I mean, you need to keep your confidence in check and know, kind of have some self-awareness of, you know, can, your confidence versus can you deliver on what you're promising? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the... Um... I'm going to get this wrong. It's, it's, it's the Kruger, Dustin uh, Kruger effect or something. It's, um, it's how people who don't know that they shouldn't be confident are always the most confident. And the people who are experts and should be more confident are typically less confident, almost because they know how much they don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what? I didn't realize there was a term for it, but that makes yeah. perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that could, and, be, that could be dangerous. <laughs> you know, it was, it was interesting. I, I read something about that. And in certain contexts, it actually helped those people who were, who were overconfident. Not in every context, right? Because like, as you correctly um, noted, a lot of times you get burned by your, by your overconfidence, right? What does it say in Top Gun? Your, your, your mouth is writing uh, checks that your body can't cash. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly right. But there were like some limited instances where um, the confidence was like helpful to them. Like people believed them more and they were able to like get more people to come along with them, you know, even though it was a bit of a false confidence. And that's where they started to realize that like confidence is not just some nice to have. It actually has like yeah. an impact um, um, on your on your results. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then have you noticed like as your confidence sort of um, ebbs and flows in your career, have you noticed like different impacts in how people react to you or um, your results? Definitely, definitely. Because I find when I feel like I'm in a good flow and I have good confidence and I'm delivering and things are going smoothly, um, you know, your, your confidence skyrockets. But when you're you know you're confident, you know you have abilities, but things are like getting out of control and crazy, it wears at your confidence a little bit. You're like, can I, can I handle this? Can I do this? Um, and that's anything, like, uh, you know, at work or even with my business, sometimes I get completely overwhelmed. Like, what am I doing? What, who do I think I am? Um, so, you know, like, like you said, confidence is ebbs and flows and it's, you're never gonna be sky high, you're never always gonna be, you know, at the bottom. It's just good to have a nice, healthy sense of, what you can and can't do and, and make sure your confidence matches that. So I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned like there are type times in your career where you're really in the flow and you're full of confidence and you're getting great results. How do people manage or monitor that so you don't move from like confidence to like extreme cheesy negotiator yeah. guy overconfidence? Like, like what's important in terms of like catching yourself before you sort of your confidence ruins you instead of helping you? 
Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, going back to the whole self-awareness, it's knowing how much you can or can't do. So um, I'll give a great example. Um, if you are super duper busy and you have some great ideas for like new projects, you don't want to put those forth right now because then you, it's going to get dumped on you and, and you're, you know, maxed out. So you don't want to do that. But if you have, let's say, you know, save that idea. And when you have some downtime, propose it and, and see what happens with it. Because I think that that's a confidence builder. When you can propose an idea at work, they take it, they give it to you to run with, it's successful. And then, you know what I mean? Like that just fuels your passion for your career, for your confidence, for everything, you know? Mm, so what I'm hearing from you is confidence should kind of be a part of the package of informing how you move about. It shouldn't be like, okay, just always volunteer for everything because you're confident. Like you, you have to acknowledge like other limitations and, and things yeah. that are important. Definitely, definitely. Okay, great. So let's take a look at uh, someone who's very confident in the workplace and it's rubbing mm -hmm. off on their coworkers. When we asked Reebok to send us Terry Tate, some people thought we were crazy. But I'm a firm believer in paradigm breaking, outside the box thinking. Hey, buddy. Break was over 15 minutes ago, Mitch! And since Terry's been with us, our productivity has gone up 46%. We're getting more from our employees than ever before. You know you need a cover sheet or your TPS reports, Richard! That ain't new, baby! Hey, Terry. Hey, Janice! But what's really impressed me is how Terry's become part of the Felcher family. He fits right in here. That's a long distance call, Doug! To be honest, I wish Reebok sent us 10 Terry Tates. <laughs> you wanna play games, Gene? Well, when it's game time, it's pain time, baby! Woo! That is one of my all-time favorite commercials, I have to tell you. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was like a Super Bowl commercial, right? Yeah. I think it was... <laughs> yes. Yeah, it still makes me laugh to this day. Like, I was hysterical the first time I saw it. I still love it. Need a cover on those TPS reports. <laughs> 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 I love the office space <laughs> reference, too. Train <laughs> train. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um... What can we learn from uh, from from Terry Tate, and then hopefully there isn't anyone in our office actually tackling yeah, people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there, you know, he is confident in his abilities, and he is crushing it. Um, I, lo I love it. I love it. And it's funny how you know something that he did in a different career, he was able to transfer to a new career, um, and just yeah, it's that's good stuff. And that you know. That happens in, in not obviously with linebackers and corporate, but you know, you, sometimes your skills are transferable and you can be even better at a different, um, a different department. And I know at KPMG, that happens a lot. Like you might have someone who was in E&M and now they're in marketing or somebody who was in marketing and now they're in sales. So um, yeah, like really leaning into those things that you're really good at will skyrocket your confidence. Yeah, you know, I've 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 talked to people who um, are confident kind of executive types, right? So they've already kind of made it, you know, to the top of their game, and so they they carry themselves in a certain confident way. And and I was having a conversation with uh, one of them the other day, and they were saying how they were. Um, in some social setting, which totally had nothing to do with anything they had any, any experience with. It was more like their wife's world, 
you know? So they're in a social engagement and then they're doing some activities. Again, the guy's got no experience in it, but people sensed something that this is like a confident guy and he's not just confident, he's competent because he, he continues to exude this, even though there's no real reason for him to be confident in this particular thing. And, and one of the people there actually remarked, you know, like, Oh, you know, you seem so confident. Have you done this before? And he was like, no, <laughs> but, but it was almost like, it, it was almost like it, it, it almost like it, it had less to do with um, the task at hand and more just the way he carries himself and, and navigates through life. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on sort of the interplay between like the task versus your confidence? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think you'll find that a lot with leaders and, and, you know, they call it executive presence, Mm -hmm. um, building that confidence and taking it with you regardless of the situation. So, you know, in the example you shared, you know, he's an executive and has to present and stand up and and lead in a certain way. And if he's most confident doing that, so why wouldn't he bring that skill set and that demeanor to something he was unfamiliar with? Um, So, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a um, I have a theory uh, that for most people, your career is limited less by your cognitive ability, like your technical ability. Mm-hmm. Um, for most people, it's more limited by your executive presence and how people perceive what you're capable of. Yes, right? I would agree with that a hundred percent. And putting sort of all those other things like buzzwords like grit and, you know, whatever to the side, right? Mm -hmm. But really, if the people who are deciding what your next role should be can't see you or imagine you being promoted and doing the next thing, your chances of actually getting that short of being like the boss's son or something are pretty slim to none. Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I've seen that in in my past lives, you know, um, at other organizations that leaders are skipped over because they don't have that executive presence. They don't have the, the demeanor, the way they carry themselves, how they address a crowd. Um, that's important. And, and that comes with confidence, right? Um, but yeah, I would totally agree with that, that that can be limiting if you don't have it. Well, here's the great um, irony of it all, Allison. I feel, and, and you can tell me if you've experienced differently, the leaders who have like a like a, a a junior person who who they want to promote but doesn't have the confidence, right? Those mm-hmm. leaders, they very rarely tell that person straight what exactly it is. You know, it's 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 always something like, oh, you need to collaborate better with people. It's always some like fuzzy, yes. like something no one ever comes out and 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 says like this is what it is. And it's almost ironic because it's like they lack the confidence to have the tough conversation. <laughs> about executive presence and and confidence you know you're absolutely right it's like the pot calling the kettle black (laughs) (laughs) so so true what have you seen is sort of helpful like in in the work you do with people and you know i'm sure you mentor people as well uh in terms of helping people develop confidence either through modeling or Mm self-reflection or like like what are the things that that really work, right? Practically speaking, because we can talk about this all day long and talk theory, it's important, right? But how do you, and I'm sure you've gone on your own confidence journey, like how do people effectively generate more confidence? Mm -hmm. It's really um, celebrating and highlighting those wins and, you know, not only rewarding yourself, but 
it's not bragging if you share that, if you make sure your PML knows or your boss or, um, you know, I think that's where people, they just keep doing the work and they just, they keep doing a great job, but they don't take time to step back and really celebrate what they've done and note your achievements and keep track of them. I mean, I know um, for a lot of folks, it's mid-year review time and it's like, you need to look back at the, you know, at the first half of the year, what did I do? Um, and a lot of times you surprise yourself. You're like, oh my gosh, I crushed it with this project or that project. Um, so I think that's important. And you're right. I, I, I mentor a few folks and confidence is an issue. Um, and, you know, it goes back to the stories you tell yourself and you're, you're worthy. You need to tell yourself you are worthy and you deserve success. I think a lot of people think they don't. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, so those, those are some of, some of the ways that I try to try to help people build their confidence. Yeah, I, I, I love, it's the second time you mentioned, I think, that, that concept of the stories you tell yourself. I think mm -hmm. that's so sort of critical. You know, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter how successful you are or how great you do or everyone blowing sunshine, you know, on you. It doesn't matter if the story you tell yourself is, oh, they're just being nice or I got lucky or, oh, right. it went well this time, but next time, who knows? You know, it's like, and that is like debilitating to confidence if you yeah. tell yourself those stories. Yeah, and, and if you're a people pleaser, and if you were raised that you you had to get a pat on the head and a good job and a sticker, you're gonna be sorely disappointed as an adult because that does not always happen and you have to do that for yourself. Hmm. And in terms of the storytelling and changing that story, track right which mm -hmm. in my mind is not like a light switch right it's not like all of a sudden yeah. you're like oh you know that's delusional right yeah. where you go from yeah. being charlie brown to like i'm the best <laughs> thing you know but like like what are the what are the things you know in addition to say you know celebrating your success like how do mm -hmm. we start to move from that maybe negative story track to a more kind of positive confidence building story track yeah, so um, I'm a big proponent of journaling and meditation and, and all that stuff. And I've actually started a new journaling exercise, which I'll share, which I'm actually yeah. really enjoying. Super easy. Okay. Um, so you make, a, and I'm trying to remember where, where I even found it, but you make a quadrant. Uh, and the top left corner is uh, what you're grateful for. Uh, and the bottom is what you're, what you want to manifest. I know that's woo-woo, what you're visualizing, what your goals are, what you, you hope to accomplish. Um, the top right is uh, what you're going to improve, where you could, you know, use some work. And then the bottom is what you're going to let go. And what oh. I do is it's, it's like a bulleted, like I do three or four in each quadrant and they're just bullets. Um, and, and get, go deep, like with grateful. It's not just like, oh, my family, my house, food. Like it's, oh, the birds were singing this morning. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super happy I could hear, you know what I mean? That Like I, I have a, uh, what was one I had? Um, I had a great workout or I woke up and I didn't have any back pain. Um, but then letting go, like let go of anxiety, of fear, of doubting yourself. Um, what can you improve? Maybe you need to be more positive. Maybe help you need, you know, what are you going to work towards to improve your confidence? Um, and then visualizing and, and manifesting. Um, for me lately, it's been a lot of vaccines, a cure, normalcy. Um, but yeah, I think focusing on those different areas um, and it's work, right? It, it doesn't happen over, overnight, like you said. Ah, I, I, I love that. It's so simple. Um, it's like a simple, but kind of like powerful way to like self-reflect, to 
focus and draw your attention to the right things. And the thing that really surprised me that you shared in the quadrant, which I think is just brilliant, is what are you going to let go? Right? Because like, you know, sometimes it, it's not a factor of we can't grab the thing. It's the fact that we're holding on to something else, which stops us from grabbing the thing that is easily grabbable, but you can't when, when you're still holding on to the other thing. Yes. So I think that's yeah. so crucial. Yes. And I've been big on, especially during these crazy pandemic quarantine times, control mm. what you can, let mm. go of what you can't, right? Yeah. You can only control what's, what's, what's here, what's, he, you know, what's in your head, what's in your house, everything else you can't really control. See, I agree with that 100%. It's one of those universal truths that somehow is not lived or acknowledged universally. Like, like I say it, I hear it, but I know I don't live it. <laughs> One hundred percent, right? That's the hard part. When you get anxious, when you get stressed, when you get angry, you got to be like, "Is this something I can control?" Yeah, yeah. I even like coach people on it, but like, you know, it's it's like it's really, really tough to like mm -hmm. uh, embody or or internalize that. So that's another show. I'm sure there's all these yes. reasons why yes. that happens. All right, let's take a look at our last video, which uh, maybe is apropos of the times because the topic is. Uh, someone trying to get a job. Cool. Vast experience in all aspects of video production. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Well, sir, for the past seven years, I've been producing original video content for YouTube. YouTube? Yes, sir. I think that YouTube is the perfect training ground for producing video resumes that really stand out from the crowd. And clients of Southern California's premier executive placement firm deserve those kind of resumes. Ones that grab the employer's attention, don't let go, even if they say uncle. <laughs> so hire William Davis and your clients will, um, hire William Davis and your clients will rise above the rest of the, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, hire William Davis and your clients will rise above and that's what you want, right? Um, uh, my girlfriend and I are having a fight. Do you mind if I... Um... What could be more important? Thank you, sir. That's, that's what I'm saying. And send. So, where were we? I was showing you the door, Mr. Davis. That's it over there. So uh, what did you see going on there, Allison, with our uh, intrepid uh, YouTuber? <laughs> I saw a lack of prioritizing, um, lack of focus. Uh, and fun fact, today is uh, YouTube's 15-year anniversary, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm not going to say it's millennials or these young kids, you know. Um, adult, you know, we all go through it, no matter what your age um, it's really prioritizing what's important and um, putting all the distractions away, especially in a job interview. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He did exhibit quite a bit of confidence until the uh, <laughs> yes. until the text messages. Like you know, like like at a certain point, you kind of start to like think, oh, well, maybe there is something to no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. And it's funny because it's like he was confident in the whole interview job process, but not confident in his relationship. He's worried about what was going on with his girlfriend, right? Yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point, right? Like um, confidence across different uh, areas, right? Mm -hmm. 
So there's yeah. your home life, there's your family life, there's your friends, there's your standing in the community, there's all these different um, quadrants or, or regions of confidence. What have you seen in terms of people's confidence across all these things and, and, and how that can sort of impact their results? Yeah, and it's true. There's confidence across different things, like you're confident in your, you know, your relationship. That's a huge one. And I know, you know, when you're dating, that's hard. Um, but it, you know, it doesn't get any different when, when you're married. I mean, it, everything is takes nourishment and work. And um, but yeah, if you feel lack of confidence in any of those areas, it's impacted. Um, I know for a while, I struggled with confidence in my friendships. I felt like I wasn't mm. a good friend, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it like I, I don't, and I don't know what. Like again, it goes back to the stories you tell yourself, right? Why, why would I feel that way? I, you know, I, I, I'm a woman of my word. I do what I say I'm going to do, and I, I try to do the right thing. Um, but yeah, it's um, there definitely are different different areas of of confidence, and they can have a, a negative or positive impact depending on how how confident or not confident you are. Now, when have you seen or perceived that like confidence can actually um, be negative or does that ever happen? And I'm not talking about overconfidence. I'm just talking about like, yeah, you're, you're kind of confident. Like, can that ever be like a bad thing or should we always kind of be striving for, you know, maximum deserved confidence if there's such a thing? I think um, being confident, being the right level of confident is important, but it, I think it goes back to the self-awareness and mm-hmm. making sure you know, like, you're like, I'm so confident in my job, and I'm doing a great job. Well, make sure that you have checkpoints and that you're getting feedback that that is, in fact, true. Um, you know, that you're not, <laughs> you're not going to wake up and then, you know, your boss is like, yeah, we're, you're not doing a great job. Um, so, you know, it, it's making sure that you have some metrics and feedback to make sure that the gauge, your confidence level is, you know, it's gauged appropriately. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what, that would be my, that would be my one. Uh, word of wisdom. So let me ask you, where do people get that feedback? Because I think that's a very powerful point about Mm -hmm. the feedback, because then you end up like the emperor's new clothes, right? Like everyone is just telling you you're great, or they're too scared to tell you anything. And you're Mm -hmm. basically burning the place down to the ground, but no one's going to be the first one to tell you kind of thing. So like, how do people, whether they're leaders or followers or somewhere in between, like, how do we ensure that we get the right type of feedback from people? I think it's having the confidence to ask for it, right? And being mm-hmm. okay with what you hear. Um, and it could be as simple as, you know, um, say you work on a project, be like, you know, what, what were your thoughts on the project? What could I have done better? What, mm-hmm. what do you feel worked really well? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, and again, I get takes effort. Um, because if you're not getting, you know, like, you know, email, you know, emails that are saying you're doing a good job. And if you really want to know, um, then I think you, you need to ask because people aren't always just going to give you feedback. Um, you, 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 you and I both know that. Have you, um, have you heard of the book Radical Candor? Um, yes, but I, I, I haven't, I haven't read it. Yeah, I think the author's name, uh, apologies if I get this wrong, is like Kim Scott or something. She actually came to KPMG and did some sort of um, session. But uh, it's interesting, like she defines radical candor as being very truthful with people, but in with the intention of supporting them and making them better, you know, oh, because you need both. You need both. 
if, if, if you don't care about people at all and you tell them the truth, that has a different feeling and it lands differently. Um, if you care about people a lot, but you care so much you don't tell them anything, that's not helpful. Right. And right. if you don't care and you don't tell, then that's like nothing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so true though. And that, that really is, it's, you know, continuous improvement, right? You want to give constructive criticism or receive constructive criticism so you know how you can keep improving. Yeah, and, and I, like your, I like how you brought everything back to confidence, which is like when you ask for that feedback, you have to be confident enough to receive it. People have mm -hmm. to have confidence in you that you're not, that you're going to be a man or woman of your word yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and not punish them when you give them exactly what they wanted, which was, which was the feedback, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Allison, it's been a real treat to talk to you and hear your expertise on workplace confidence. What things are you working on and how can our audience get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, with my little passion side hustle, um, I have a website. It's www.allisonjacksonfitness.com. And actually, I've been doing a lot of work lately around supporting people to get to this quarantine without, um, you know, gaining the quarantine 15. So I've been doing a lot of lunch and learns. Uh, I actually just did, did one today. I'm going to do one next week. So I'm punching that 20 and 2020 card. Uh, it's five simple ways to, um, to avoid the quarantine 15. So uh, visit my website, you get more information, and I'm getting ready to launch uh, another group coaching program May 4th. So all good stuff. Quarantine 15. You are in communications, aren't you? That, that's yes. why you come up with all these great 20 for 20, <laughs> you know, quarantine 15. Really, really Pretty good marketable, stuff. marketable, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Excellent. And, uh, and your book? Yeah, so, um, you know, you were part of my inspiration. That's how I hunted you down, by the way. And found your KPMG was your book. Um, but yeah, I published a book last month. It's called Flab to Fab in Eight Weeks. And it's my coaching program um, in a book. It's got some good recipes. It's on Amazon and super reasonably priced. Awesome. I was super excited when uh, you let me know that you published that. It's, it's a great milestone and, and kudos for uh, all the hard work that I know went into that. Thank you. Well, thank you, Allison, for sharing your insights on why it works. Thanks so much, Joe. Do you ever feel like your career has hit a roadblock? Many people spend a large part of their career stuck in a rut. The sad thing is they don't know why and no one really tells them. In many cases, the ceiling of your career is to find not by how good you are at your job, but rather by how others perceive your leadership. In other words, executive presence. In my second book, Unlock Your Executive Presence, I reveal the six states of being that actually generate executive presence and a blueprint for immediately improving how people respond to you. If you read Unlock Your Executive Presence, I have a big favor to ask. Please join us on Team 100. Our mission is to get 100 Amazon reviews in 100 days. To help, if you don't want to pay the $2.99 introductory price, no problem. Just email me in the next three days at joe at connectioncounselor.com and tell me why executive presence is important to you and I'll send you a free copy. 
With your help, I know we can do it. You can find the book on Amazon.com or in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joquan Joe Coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.